1: I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24, Joshua chapter 24. I felt that um, as I was praying about this, coming off from a baby dedication that, you know, to take it just a step further, I want to talk about leaving a lasting legacy, Joshua chapter 24. The word of God says uh, from verse 14, Joshua 24, verse 14. Joshua's speaking to the people of Israel. He's old in years. He's about to leave them. And he's he's done all, he led them in battle. They've taken over the promised land. And they're settling in their towns. So there's an excitement about what God has done. They have recounted a history with God. And they can tell all the stories of the glorious things God did for them. They're recounting the battle stories. They're recounting the miracles. It is a significant moment. And now he's reminding them because he's not going to be in leadership very long. And this is what he says. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. You cannot love God without fearing God. It's a bit like saying, you know, uh, you, you, in order to love your dad, you also have to fear him because sometimes he has to correct you. It's, it's a tough call. See, we we're, sometimes in the churches we preach this theology of love that has no instruction, love without warning, love without a bit of discipline. But the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. And so he's saying, now fear the Lord, because fear and love will need to go together and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods, your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Massive statement. I want you to underline that. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Jump to verse 18. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua replies to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So while they're declaring, yes, we will follow you. Yes, we will cast aside all our gods, all our foreign idols. They actually had it in their tents, in their homes. They still held on to them, even though they're saying, yeah, we will cast it aside. Yes, we'll do all these things, but no, we're not going to let go of them. Are you kidding? And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. I want you to turn now to Judges. It's the next book over. Judges chapter 2. Let's see how they did. Here's the report card. Judges chapter 2, reading verse 8. Judges 2, reading verse 8. Let's have a look at their scorecard. Verse 8. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died at the age of a hundred and ten, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. Listen to this. After that, after he died, the whole generation had been gathered to their forefathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then... The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook Him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In case case you're wondering, what was it like to serve the, the Baals and the Ashtoreths and the Molechs? This is what it looked like. It was a period of time when they served where it was full of sexual immorality. That's what the worship of Ashtoreth and Baal and the worship of Moloch is about sacrificing babies. Do you see the connection today? We are sacrificing our babies and justifying it and calling it, you know, this is not, it's it's not life, unborn life. It's just a fetus. We're justifying these things. There have been more children murdered through abortion than any other war that preceded it. More children. And it's on the rise and increasing. And had the government not changed recently, I know they'll try to change it. We would have had late-term abortions. We're talking perfectly healthy kids at the point of birth would be killed. I mean, that is murder. Any other way you look at it. That was the worship of Molech. Fully grown babies would be thrown into the fires. And along with that, it was just a a complete sexual immorality. There were prostitutes that were paid as priestesses and that were to sleep with the people. That was the worship. Sexual immorality was rampant. So sexual immorality and the killing of unborn, uh, sorry, the killing of babies. That's exactly what is happening today because we are forsaking the God of our forefathers Joshua specifically warned the people, if you turn your back on God to pursue the things the, neighbors, uh, the neighboring people worship, then God would forsake you. Now, in case you think this does not apply to you, how many times have you been given an instruction by your parent when you were growing up, some of you are older now, and you disobeyed it? Oh, come on. Let's just be honest, just for a moment. Thank you for those few, brief, few, honest people. Petsueli, just want you to know, sister, your daughter, Sarah, put up her hand. God bless her. <laughs> I remember as a kid, I was in Indonesia growing up, and look, we were, we were poor. We're living in poverty, living by faith. God did amazing miracles, provided all our needs, but we had to live by faith. And mom could afford. I know you're going to find this gross, but I just want you to know it was a delicacy. Mom had this big, fat bag of Prunes. Prunes. And I never had a prune in my life. I'm used to eating like Indonesian food and all that. So when I had a prune, it was, su- it was a sweet fruit. It was soft. It was in the fridge. It was cold. It was delicious on a hot day. I thought, this is amazing. So I grabbed a few more and mom said, just have a few. You are only allowed to have a few. Okay, mom. So I took a few. So this is how I justified it. I'll just go and play a little bit and I'll come back and grab a few more (laughs) then i went to play and i grabbed a few more by the time i was done that afternoon i had three prunes left in a big fat bag i was disobedient but with the disobedience comes a punishment i didn't know what prunes would do to you (laughs) let me tell you anyway let's not go there i I think you'll understand (laughs) Today, we're talking about legacies. Here we are dedicating Joshua to the Lord, and we're dedicating Lorenzo to the Lord, and we have these trite comments, and you know, I I put a lot into it. You can get a copy of my notes if you wanted, but we really pray about these kids. We pray about the scripture verses we give to them, and and we, we intentionally mean to raise them up in the ways of God, but sometimes we forget. We don't understand the impact that we have on our children Today, most of you, I say most, not all, most of you are here because your parents led you in the ways of God. Somehow they brought you to church. Not everyone. And that's something for us to be proud of because they came into the kingdom later. We, we found them. But can I see, in fact, if you don't mind doing this, just raising your hand if your parents brought you to the Lord. They brought you to church. They taught you the ways of God. Can I see those hands? We have just turned the odds. Oh, my goodness, look around you. So most of you have not. Okay, that's different. All right, this is going to be good for you today. All of us within our hearts, deep down inside the Bible says, we have eternity in our hearts. You realize that you will die one day and that we want to leave a lasting legacy. A legacy, according to the dictionary, is something that you pass on. And we want to build legacies that will be remembered. We want to be, build legacies that would mark our fingerprint that we did something, that we made a difference, but legacies are not created in a day. Those who try to create legacies on a day or in a short period of time fail. They're here one moment, they're gone the next. People try to leave legacies in building massive physical structures, or they try and build legacies through songs, or they're writing and, and producing movies. They try to leave legacies through art or design, but none of these legacies will last. Someone always writes a better song, someone is always producing a better movie. There are phys- these physical structures you created get old, they age over time, and they're destroyed. And Joshua, at this final, last recorded message that he was ever going to preach to the people again, he's saying, create legacies that will last. You have to build it intentionally. Some of you are living your lives unintentionally. You're hoping by accident that somehow something great's going to happen and you will be remembered. And your children will remember you. But unless you are intentional, your children will not remember you. They're watching what you are doing. Last, lasting legacies begin with a dream. They begin with a principle, or they might begin with a conviction or an idea that cannot be shaken. It is lived throughout your life in every tiny decision that you make. Some of you have come into the kingdom late. And you realize after looking back at your life, I've been making a mess of my life. Speaking with the guys being water baptized yesterday, preparing them for baptism. We talked about the fact you understand the decision that you're making today. You're saying that I've come to the conclusion that the way that I have been living my life has not been uh, leaving me in a place where I am happy and content. I'm finding that I'm leaving destruction. I'm leaving a mess behind me, and I don't want to do that anymore. And so, with every intention, you're saying soberly, God, I want to live my life the way you want it because I want to be blessed. For some people, that conviction will lead them to look after the poor. We have them in this church. We've got live city care. And you have an opportunity. If you want to feed the poor in this city, there's many of them. You can help us out every week if you want. Every month we have a feeding program at the community center. It's so powerful, it's touching lives. We live for these things. To others, it's serving people in foreign countries. To others, yet, it's a faithfulness in serving God in their local church, and we bless you for that. But it is not the legacy of money. It is not the legacy of building. It is not the legacy of possessions that will stand the test of time. It is the legacy of faith. There is one non-negotiable in leaving a lasting legacy. I want you to write this down. We live a legacy more than we leave one. Does that make sense? In other words, the legacy we leave is the legacy that we live. You can tell your kids, oh, you should live for God. You should read the Bible. You should pray. You should go after God. But they're watching you. They look at your life. They know if you actually value it by what you do. Our kids believe and follow what they see, not what we say. If God and church are easily bumped from our calendars, it'll be even easier for them to bump it off their calendar. They're going to amplify and take it to the next level. If our faith is public but not private, you're on Sunday. You raise your hand, oh God, I love you. But they're watching you during the week. If you're not worshiping him privately, why should you expect them to worship God privately? We can do better. And for the sake of their souls, I hope that we can do better. A legacy is formed one decision at a time. For good or for disaster. Our kids are way too smart. They formulate their own worldview based on what they see you do. Not what you say. If church is not important to you, it becomes even less important for them. I remember uh, ministering to a family, and they were a family of Christians. And what I discovered after talking with them after a period of time was that this family had not been going to church. They stopped going years ago. And they had not been reading the Bible. They had not been praying. They had not been speaking about the Lord. And when I came there, it was an, an invitation to speak with their, this woman's granddaughter. Her daughter was there as well. So there's grand, grandmother, the mother, and the daughter. And I'm speaking with the daughter, and somehow I, I got into the, uh, a conversation about David and Goliath. And I said, you know the story of David and Goliath? And she looked at me with this puzzled expression. She couldn't believe it. Grandmother's jaw hit the floor when she realized the implications of the decision she made, the legacy she was leaving behind. In all those, all were Christians, we're Christians, we're Christians. The mother barely knew the word, and the granddaughter had no idea. She was raising up godless people because of a decision she made. Why? Because of an offense that happened in church. She was offended in church. Let me tell you guys, you get hurt in church. We always get hurt in church. Who has not been hurt in church? If that's you, you haven't been in church long enough. And She's saying, oh, you are inviting trouble, sis. You are inviting trouble it comes. It's because we're real. We're just people. We make mistakes. But if you are only living in the momentary, if you're only living in the temporary, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get offended and you will leave. But if you're seeing beyond these things, because building a legacy is not about the short-term goal. It's a long-term goal. You're saying, I will not shake from the goal that God has given me. I will live for these things. A legacy is is formed by what you do, not what you say. Have a listen to this. In 1974, Heron Chapin recorded a song, Cats in the Cradle. Now, I say that to some of the oldies, like, oh, I know the song. Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. You know the song. Some of the young ones don't know it, so I have to describe it. In the song, it talks about how a father is asked by the children, can you spend some time with us? Can you play with us, Daddy? And Daddy says, look, I'm too busy. And the Daddy's intention is this. I'll go busy for a season of time. I'm going to work really, really hard. I'm going to strive. I'm going to save. And then eventually, I'm going to have enough money that I will be able to sit down and play with my children. But the story goes on that the children grow up without a father. He was too busy. And then the son has his own job, and the son gets caught up with the same values the father had, living for career, living for money. You know, he's saying family is important. If I work harder, if I strive harder, if I make more money, then I'll have time for my family. And sadly, the father comes to realize that when he retires and he tries to spend time with the son, guess what the son says? I'm too busy to spend time with you. I like these words. It says it like this. I I, I try to quote it. And as I hung up the phone, he's talking to his son. Can you spend time with me? No, I'm too busy. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. (laughs) Thank you. I want you to think about that for a moment. What kind of son? How do you want your son to grow up and be? How do you want your daughter to grow up and be? Some of you who are not yet married or do not yet have children, you're not thinking that far. I want you to think about that now. Your legacy is being formed one decision at a time. Your decisions thus far is going to determine the decisions of your future. And that's what your kids are going to follow. Our kids believe and follow what they see. Inspire them in your love for God and they will love him more inspire them by the way you love and treat your wife or treat your husband and they will treat their spouse the same way if you speak poorly of your mother-in-law they will grow to dishonor their mother-in-law if you choose to give up fighting for your marriage they too will stop fighting for their marriage if you give up when things get hard they will never become resilient they will give up easily become the father you want your sons to be girls become the mother you want your daughters to be The Bible tells us about King David and the sin that he had. He committed adultery with a woman. The Bible says in the time when kings go off to war, he chose not to go. They were so victorious. He thought he'd hang around, and he's bored. And while he's at the top of his castle, he sees a woman bathing, very attractive. He's so drawn to her that he asks for her to come, and he wants her to be in his house, and he ends up having a relationship with her, and she gets pregnant. Now he's got a problem. He's committed adultery. He lied about it. And now in order to try and deceive the husband, he tries to bring the husband home from battle so that he would sleep with his wife and then his sin would be covered. But this man was leaving a legacy and would not would not sleep with his wife. He says, how can I sleep with my wife and enjoy a good time while my brothers are out there fighting and giving up their lives for this nation? I will not do that. I will not disgrace or dishonor you, my king. (laughs) I will not disgrace or dishonor my nation. And so King David tried to get him drunk, and he still would not do that. He slept on the front of their house, on the mat. But his wife his wife is getting more and more pregnant. So finally, King David sends him into battle and tells the army, I want you to withdraw and leave him alone in the front, in the front lines where he was killed. And this is what Nathan the prophet said to him. Because of what you did, the sword will never depart from your house. The Bible goes on to talk about how each of his kids committed acts of violence, murder, rape, incest. A godly man. The Bible says a man after God's own heart. He made right, but he affected his children and could not turn it around. It was too late. Only one survived to serve God, and even his heart was turned Solomon. So how do you build a godly legacy? I'm going to go real quick because time is up. Through godliness, number one. Just write these verses down. How to build a lasting legacy, number one, through godliness. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I want you to listen to this. Jonathan Edwards felt God's call to become a minister. He and his young bride began to pastor in a small congregation. During the years that followed, he wrote many sermons, prayers, and books, and was influential in beginning the Great Awakening. Together, they produced 11 children who grew into adulthood. Sarah was a partner in a husband's ministry, and he sought her advice regarding sermons and church matters. They spent time talking about these things together, and when the children were old enough, the parents included them in the discussions. Would you like to know the effect of their lives because of this? Here's what happened. Out of 1,400 Edwards descendants, they were able to find 100 lawyers and a dean of a law school. 80 holders of public office, 66 physicians and a dean of a medical school, 65 professors of colleges and universities, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, three mayors of large cities, three governors of states, three United States senators, one controller of the United States treasury, one vice president of the United States. Key number two for leaving a lasting legacy, wind Daniel 12 verse 3 says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You can't take anything with you from this planet except the souls that you brought into the kingdom. Finally, number three, for the sake of time, I'll skip an illustration. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, it's about the word. Number three, it's the word. Leave a, legging, leaving, leave a lasting legacy by teaching your children the word and dedicating your life to learning and reading about the word, studying it. Isaiah 48, 40, verse 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Psalm 112, verse 1 to 2. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Learn the word of God. Study it. Use it as a framework for life and living. Can I invite you to stand to your feet as I close this morning? Let me tell you the opposite effect. If you do not take charge of leading the way through your life. In 1874, a member of the New York State Prison Board noticed that six members of the same family were incarcerated at the same time. The board did some research looking back a few generations to try to find the original couple who initiated this tragic family legacy. They traced a family line back to an ancestor born in 1720, a man considered lazy and godless, with a reputation as the town troublemaker. He was also an alcoholic and viewed as having a low moral character. To make matters worse, he married a woman who was much like himself and together they had six daughters and two sons. Here's what the report revealed about the approximately 1,200 descendants of this couple who were alive by 1874. 310 were homeless, 160 were prostitutes, 180 suffered from drug or alcohol abuse, 150 were criminals who spent time in prison, including seven for murder. The report also found that the state of New York had spent $1.5 million, a shockingly high number at that time, to care for this line of descendants, and not one had made a significant contribution to society. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Father, today is a day where we are reminded that we are born with purpose, on purpose. We are not accidents. But heaven trumpeted our arrival when we were born on this planet. And you have a legacy for us to build a legacy that is founded on you. Today, Lord, forgive us for failing in our duties. Husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, we have failed you. But today, we share the good news that there is always a hope, that there's always a second chance while we live and we breathe And we say, God, this morning, we give our hearts to you. Come and use us. Come and rescue us. Show us the way that we are to live our lives, that we can build a legacy that will go for many, many years to come. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.